Part 2. Creating FutureCo. Practice 1. Know yourself. Date night with a difference. Having attended my fair share of functions, it's dawned on me that a great evening is not so much determined by the lavishness of the decor, the hipness of the venue, the extravagance of the food, or the cool quotient of the entertainment. All of these can be top-notch, but if one ends up sitting next to a crushing bore, the evening is irredeemably ruined. It's jackpot time, however, when I get the opportunity to engage in a quality conversation with my dinner companion, which stimulates my thinking and leaves me feeling energized and inspired. That tends to be the way I evaluate most conversations I have with people. There's another conversation, though, one that's going on all the time and that all of us are privy to. The conversation with ourselves. And no, I haven't forgotten to take my schizo meds. I'm talking about the little voice in your head that is saying, right now, little voice? What little voice? If, like me, you believe that as a man thinketh, so is he, then this inner conversation is a conversation we must pay attention to because it determines our thoughts, our thoughts determine our character, and our character ultimately determines our destiny. Self-awareness, emotional intelligence, and authenticity are all touted as key qualities of great leaders. And although the latest research supporting these attributes appears in esteemed business publications like Harvard Business Review and Fortune, making them mainstream, they are hardly new ones. Alexander Pope referred to them in 1734 in his poem, An Essay on Man. Know then thyself, presume not God to scan. The proper study of mankind is man. Self-knowledge and self-leadership are the obvious first ports of call for a leader. How can you lead others if you can't lead yourself? How can you listen to others if you can't recognize your still, small voice? How can you stand in the shoes of your audience without knowing where you stand? And yet, as much as I get the concept, I've always found this know-yourself idea rather airy-fairy and more than a little intimidating. Until I recognized it as something I do every day. Talk to myself. Listen to yourself. Leadership is about being a great listener, not just to others, but also to yourself. We all know what it feels like to be fake listened to, where your counterpart is simply waiting for you to finish or run out of breath so he can have his turn to speak. Fake listening is an epidemic, the result of us not listening to ourselves or being aware of our own voice. We hear multiple internal voices talking over each other, which makes the focused attention required to listen to anyone else impossible. This means that real empathy and compassion are drowned out. Really listening to another person requires a stillness of the soul, a quietness of the mind, an empty space where you can hold the other person. This kind of listening is a superpower. It literally has the potential to change the world. It's not so much what comes out of our mouths, but what goes into our ears. 
that really matters. When we at Thinkspiration conduct listening sessions with our clients' employees, we try to listen like this. We often arrive apologizing for imposing on the participants' time. Without fail, when we leave, we are effusively thanked for our attention, for our listening. I've come to realize that undivided attention, specifically the way in which it makes people feel valued, is one of the greatest gifts you can give a fellow human being. I suspect that great leaders intuitively listen to and have great conversations with themselves, quality conversations that leave them energized, inspired, and thinking clearly. All well and good, but how do those of us weighed down by life's mundanities, who are having when-will-we-fix-the-washing-machine-type conversations with ourselves, change the conversation? This is where my dinner party trick comes in handy. If you want to change your internal conversation, change your questions. So, how about replacing these? What do other people think? Does my boss, the board, the shareholders, the audience think I'm good enough? How am I performing relative to my peers? When will I get a raise, promotion and salary increase? With these. What's been my career high to date? What am I like when I'm at the top of my game? What are my superpowers? How am I feeling as a leader right now? What deserves my attention? What's the most outrageous, inspiring idea I've heard recently? What problem do I want to solve? What do I do that so absorbs me that I don't notice time passing? What do I love doing so much that I would do it for free? What three great things happened today? What's the best compliment someone has ever paid me? What am I grateful for? What are my strengths? What is my unique song? Date night. Many years ago, Bernard and I attended the Alpha Marriage course, not because our marriage was in trouble, but because we wanted to do everything possible to prevent it from ever getting that way. One of our agreed outcomes, something fairly generic, was to have a weekly date night. To make time, despite the hustle and bustle of daily life with a young child, for the two of us to connect at the deepest level for a few hours. It's been about nine years since then, and I must confess I'm well and truly addicted to date night. So much so that when we do occasionally miss one, it feels as if the oxygen has been sucked out of our relationship. Some date nights are better than others. There are those where we share deeply about issues we're struggling with, where our chats result in clarity of thought, insight and reaffirmation of who and why we are, where we leave energized, inspired and in love. Then there are those where zombie-like we stare blankly at each other over our wine, too exhausted to think and able only to be, where we order food, pay and are home within an hour. And that's okay because the other ones. In the same way that setting aside time to connect with a significant other is vital for a successful relationship with that person, so too is setting aside time to do the same with oneself. What does this mean practically? Well, here are a couple of ideas for date night with a difference. Two, for your eyes only. 
One way of going about this is to write. Not become a writer, just to write to and for yourself, for your eyes only, whether you're an engineer, an actuary or an accountant. Writing is so powerful because it forces us to untangle our thoughts and articulate them. Want to test if someone understands something? Ask them to write it down. Committing something to the blank page or the blank screen requires us to pause, reflect and think deeply. Joan Didion, acclaimed American writer, says, I write entirely to find out what I'm thinking, what I am looking at, what I see and what it means. The psychological benefits of writing are proven and much akin to regular exercise regime. Just like we gradually get fitter with regular exercise, writing sharpens our thinking process. Dots are connected, ideas start to emerge, feelings can be examined. The biggest challenge revolves around how to get started. Some of us find the blank page thrilling and inspiring. Aren't those the lucky ones? For me, and I suspect most of us, coming face to face with a blank page induces pure, gut-wrenching fear. So I play a little game with myself. I don't think of it as writing. Instead, I use a few great questions from the list I mentioned above to frame the conversation with myself. Then I jot down the answers. This is my own date night with a difference. And that real date night, some will be fabulous and inspired, and some will be zombie-like. And that's okay, because it's the process, not the result, that counts. Two, thinking partners. My husband Bernard always says, how do I know what I think until I've heard what I have to say? For many of us, this is true. We need to literally think out loud in a safe space. Being able to think freely and without interruption, with undivided attention from another person, yields magical solutions completely owned by the thinker. The idea of a thinking partnership is based on Nancy Klein's work from time to think, and it is an amazing way of outing the internal conversation. Only two questions guide the conversational flow. What would you like to think about today? And what are your thoughts so far? It sounds simple, but it's far from easy. A conducive environment of trust, respect, confidentiality, equality, and absolute undivided attention with no interruptions is essential. There's great benefit for both the thinker and the thinking partner. As the thinker, it's a relief to get it all out in a stream of consciousness kind of way, without care or caution as to whether it really makes any sense. For the thinking partner, it's an incredible opportunity to practice the discipline of paying undivided attention to another person and not having to validate your existence by adding to their idea, justifying it, explaining it, or changing it into your idea. As leaders, in order to be listened to, we need to listen to ourselves and to others. Dag Hammarskjöld, great diplomat and former Secretary-General of the UN, captures it beautifully in this quote. Listen. The more faithfully you listen to the voice within you, the better you will hear what is sounding outside without fear.
tool in my shoes. Most followers would give their eye teeth to be able to look inside their leader's head and have an insight into their thought processes and reflections. Crafting an intimate, witty, personalized message, which is shared with the senior leadership team, achieves a strong sense of closeness, authenticity, and connection. This message should sound like you, the leader, thinking out loud. It needn't be long, but should capture how it felt to be in your shoes recently. What's been going well, and what hasn't? What are you as a leader wrestling with? What gives you hope? Bernard used this tool regularly and effectively during his tenure as CEO of Harmony, particularly during his time spent traveling overseas. To give you an idea, here is a short excerpt from one, complete with Rustenburg English and spelling in context. The date is the 6th of December 2006, and the subject is, Is My Head in the Clouds? Hi guys, it seems like I only have time to share a few thoughts with you when I'm traveling. So yes, I'm sitting in a plane on the way back from Cape Town. I saw quite a few of you at our graduation function for the leadership course last Friday night. Amazing to think that 160 of our leadership group has now had the opportunity to do this course. And what's more, they all volunteered and gave us a Saturday a month for seven or eight months. Not once has anyone complained that it is not worth the sacrifice. Our fifth intake starts in February 07, so be sure to volunteer if you haven't done so yet. Although there is a waiting list, we are trying to get the right mix of experience, disciplines, gender and regional representativity. So get your name in there and you may just make the cut for the next intake. Congratulations to our new graduates and a special thank you to those who brought their partners with on a Saturday morning for the Partners Programme. Old Ritzer was the main feature and he did a stunning presentation on the heart of a leader. We could always get you a copy if you're interested. At the function, a number of people commented positively on these emails of mine, so now I will have to do them regularly. Dab. Anyway, you know how to delete emails, and if you right-click on this, you can even put me on your block sender list. I was a few days on my back after a small op and had a lot of time to read on leadership, and there's no doubt whatsoever in my mind that what we are trying to do in the leadership development is international best practice. I'm sure you saw press coverage on the board's decision to tender our Western Area shares into the Goldfields offer. Let me hasten to say that we didn't suddenly change our minds on the issues of price or our preference for cash rather than shares, but after discussions with various analysts as well as Ian Cockrell, it was clear that Goldfield simply didn't have the cash to make a better or all-cash offer. The plan now will be to dispose of our Goldfield shares over the next year, and hopefully we make an even bigger profit than the 300 million rand we made so far. The 2.3 billion we realize will ensure that we can fund all the new mines we're building. Looks like corporate is going to have to go to Kilimanjaro at this rate of success. The man who was the driver behind the whole Western Areas deal, Devet Skitter, decided to leave on a high note to move to the next phase of his personal growth. We wish him well. The rumour that he is also joining Ferdy and other ex-Harmonites at Great Basin Gold, or Little Harmony as the fund managers in Cape Town call it, is not true. That one decline must be getting a bit crowded now. 
Just today, I was told about how a proud Harmony employee does recruitment. I'm told that when we were short of key engineering skills, Liesl Swart, who herself is a relatively new Harmonite, left no stone unturned in her efforts to recruit scarce skills from the platinum mines by telling them why they should be part of the Harmony dream. 25 people pitched for interviews. Thank you, Liesl. We are all so proud of you. I'm setting up a proper review of HealthShare and MindMed's future role in Harmony, so please pass on your views, criticisms, suggestions or ideas to Richard de Villiers, Pat Mahale or Aubrey or myself. This plane is about to land, so until next week when I'll talk to you from our Hidden Valley project in PNG, and remember to make a difference to safety and focus on cost per ton in everything you do. Still proudly Harmony, Bernard.